Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who played his high school football in the Garden State at both Asbury Park High School and Ocean Township High School in New Jersey. He played college football at Bowling Green State University, where he was selected as a Mid-American Conference Player of the Year. He was a second-round draft pick, 45th overall in the 1971 draft by the Oakland Raiders. He is a four-time Pro Bowler as well as a Super Bowl champion. He was one of, and still is, one of the fastest linebackers ever to have played the game, and he was known for making big plays, none bigger than his momentum-changing goal line tackle against the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl Eleven, where he forced the fumble that was recovered by Willie Hall. It is a thrill to welcome Tom Hanks, favorite football player, number 41 in your program, Phil Villapiano to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Phil, and thanks for coming on with us tonight. We wanted to pay tribute to the late, great John Madden, who passed away this week at the age of 85. You played your first eight years in the league under John. Before we talk about John, let's talk a little bit about your career, okay? Okay. So your mom may have actually had the biggest impact on you becoming a pro football player as she planted the seed pretty early on that football could actually be your job one day. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I, that's really good. You did your homework. Uh, that it, It's fun and, it, and it's so true. And, you know, I was one of those kids and we grew up in Asbury Park and all we did was play sports. You know, baseball, football, basketball all year long. Went swimming in the in the summertime, you know, because we lived right on the ocean. Everything was wonderful. But what I loved to do the most was play football, and I I just loved that the hitting part of it. And um, I remember you remember going to grammar school, and we had guys from different parts of Asbury Park. We also had these sending districts, and we were going to have a, a game one day with this little town called Interlaken, which was a big sending district. So the guys from the third Avenue and fourth Avenue and second Avenue, our little Bradley school guys were going to play the uh, boys from Interlaken. And I, 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 my mother, when I was going to um, go to school that morning, she says, I'm picking you up at four o'clock today because I, we went right from the school to the football field and I said, Mom, you can't do that. I am, um, I, I gotta, we're playing Interlaker today, and I, I, I can't leave. And she said, when I walk the horn, you better leave. <laughs> so <laughs> my mo- I go down to the football field. My mother shows up right on time at 4 o'clock. I got, only got about a half hour to, of the game in. And I got in the car because she had a strong left hand. She would have come, come on the field <laughs> and knocked me out if I didn't move. So I guess so I go, I get in the car and I'm pouting and she looks over at me and she says, you love that game, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, did you know you can do that when you grow up? And I said, what? No, what? And I said, she said, you know, those guys you see on television, they get paid for that. That's their job. <laughs> I mean, I was at the age where what fifth grade or something. I never put it together. And after my mother said that, my whole life seemed to change. 
All I wanted to do was be a football player. And I remember in the, in the Boy Scouts, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a football player. Or in my, you know, graduate eighth grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a football player. Graduate high school, what do you want to be? I want to be a football player. I <laughs> only wanted to be a football player my whole life. And I think, and you know, when I get to talk to school kids and stuff, I say, man, I'm just a skinny little kid from Asbury Park. But you want to know how I got to the NFL? And you want to know how I got so good at the NFL? I thought about it every day. I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And guess what? If you think about it and you think about it, I think your dreams can come true. And it happened for me. And I lived my whole life like that. I just think about things and I want things bad and I work hard for them. And bingo, they happen. So I I became a football player and let alone a football player. I became an Oakland Raider, which was totally incredible. I got to, you know, play for Coach Madden. And, um, you know, we've been... Everybody's been calling and talking about coach, and I, I just love to talk about the guy. What a beautiful influence he was on me in in, in my pro football career and my uh, my career in sales when I got done. Just a great guy, great great mentor, great friend, and uh, hmm. we're going to miss him dearly. It's interesting you mentioned that because you know so many of the the things you were able to will and, and we'll talk about some of them um, you know come to fruition because of your strong will. You you lead Asbury Park to a state title. You're a standout college player. You're invited to the Senior Bowl, which gets you one step closer to that dream. Playing in that Senior Bowl early on in that game, you take an elbow to your eye, and basically you know your eye is completely shut. Can you tell our audience what happens next? <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, yeah, it actually happened on the opening kickoff. And then, you know, I'm sure everybody remembers the old face mask. I I wore a face mask. I think a quarterback would probably wear nowadays. And I was playing linebacker, so I was covering the first kick of the game. I and um, you know I'm you know the linebackers always get the the, the nastiest jobs. I'm playing the L1, which is right next to the football. The guy kicks off, and I'm the, I'm supposed to go down and break the wedge, and I smell, slam right into this monster, and his elbow goes right in my eye, and uh, you know I stayed on the field. I went, Whoa, you know, and then I came off, and uh, Coach McPherson, I think you remember Dick McPherson, he yep. coached with Lou Saban, and and then he went on to Maryland. He went, I think it was Lou in Maryland, and then he came back and coached at Syracuse and Navy and. Uh, coach McPherson was everywhere. He was our linebacker coach. <laughs> and I come off the field and my eyes totally shut. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey, Phil, how, how are you? I said, I'm good, coach. He goes, You know, we have no backups. <laughs> I said, Don't worry about me, coach. I'm, I'm ready to play. So I made a whole bunch of tackles that they even only have, only have one eye. And I'll never forget, you know, after the game, this. I'm walking into the locker room and uh, this guy in a white leisure suit with his big <laughs> collar hanging out, gold all over the place, slick back hair, big sunglasses, kind of looked like a, a, a Jewish Elvis Presley. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, I didn't realize who it was at the time, but he looked me and he looked me right in the eye and he goes, great game, Villapiano. And I, I thank you. And I walked on. I never saw the guy again till uh, well, I saw him actually. 
I saw him again about a week later when uh, the draft was only, let's say, I think a week after the Super Bowl back in those days, the draft was like late January. And then, uh, I mean, after the Senior Bowl. So, um, yeah, so they, um, and then as soon as the draft happened, the Raiders picked me. They had me on an airplane, so I go out to Oakland, and there's the guy with the red hair and the and the slick outfit. So uh, I got to know my buddy, Mr. Davis, and uh, it was I, I'm I'm glad he saw me with you know it kind of looked like a Raider with one eye totally <laughs> shut, you know. So he liked he liked he liked the way I play, and uh, you know, and he he became and him and John Mann were my two favorite guys. Uh, so interesting that Al's there. He gets to see you, you know, excel in that game with one eye, become a Raider. And if I remember correctly, you missed the first three weeks of Raiders camp that first year because of the college all-star game. So tell me what's your first impression of walking into camp, you know, trying to catch up and, and meeting Coach Madden for the very first time? Well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't such a good thing because, uh, you know, those guys were out there and we're, we're in Chicago getting ready to play the Baltimore Colts, all the college all-stars. And then, you know, you go in and camp was ridiculously long in those days. So it was, um, we, we had at least four weeks, five weeks before the first uh, preseason game. And then you had six preseason games. So it was like, you know, two months of training camp. It was terrible. So anyway, I remember going in there and because uh, it was Jack Tatum and myself and Bob Moore, uh, the three of us, we all made the college all-star team. And we, and we, we come into camp, the veterans, let alone the coaches, they wanted no part of us because we, we were out having a pretty good time in Chicago. And you got uh, the guys there going through two days. So I, I really didn't say too much to Coach Madden. He didn't say too much to me until uh, I actually made the team. And, you know, um, then once you make the Raider team, then they start uh, talking to you. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, they, back in those days, they brought so many guys to camp. I mean, it was like, why waste my time talking to this guy? He's probably going to be gone tomorrow, you know. So the guys came and went pretty quick. And uh, But once I made the team and, you know, John, um, you know, he blessed me with the starting job and I remember him telling Jack Tatum and myself he goes and Horace Jones the three of us three rookies starting for the Raiders that's how bad the defense was the year before and uh he's he you know and he goes you know guys for every rookie we start we're going to lose a game and uh so that means we're going to lose three games because we're starting you three guys (laughs) and I'm like Coach, don't tell me that. You know? <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me we're going to win games because we've got young guys and fast guys and, uh, you know, guys that can tackle. And uh, So me, Jack, and Horace, we said, no way, man. We're going to play great. And we all did. So we, we, we actually had a, a very good defense uh, for a lot of years. 
It certainly did. And, you know, here in New York, being a Jet fan and a Jet season ticket holder, I actually remember watching probably maybe your second or third game. Um, uh, and John turned you into a linebacker because at that point you had been a defensive lineman. You have an unbelievable uh, exhibition game against the Jets. You recovered a, a John Riggins fumble. You, you, caught, you had a hit on Emerson Boozer that, you know, caused him to cough one up. And that, that's that's hard to do because Emerson didn't really cough him up a lot. Um, it was later nullified because of an illegal formation. But um, after the game, Coach praised your work as a linebacker and said, um, by the first game of the regular season, you'd be ready to play the position. What do you think he saw in you that made him switch you to linebacker? And how much confidence, his confidence, helped you in that transition? Well, I think, I think the the... You know, I was six two to two twenty five, and you know, in those days we played a four man line. Okay, so you had four big guys up there, and the linebackers had to be quicker because you had to cover running backs. So I think he put me at the right. You know, they moved me immediately from defensive end, which you know, in college I had the speed to get around the offensive lineman, and that was a re- that's a real. You know, it, it kind of like a Lawrence Taylor type thing. When you when you're so fast, you can get up field. It really destroys an offense. So who knew? I thought maybe they would keep me at the right, you know, right to weak side defensive end and just fly up field. You know, but that really wasn't my job. My job was to be a linebacker. Um, and then they gave me the number forty one. And when they gave me forty one, I said. What do they want me at safety, man? What is, you know, <laughs> I didn't know if the Raiders even knew, you know, what they wanted of me when I first went there. And you don't ask any questions. You just do it, you know. So I, uh, they, put, they put me at the left linebacker, and, uh, and it, it took a little while. But to, to answer your question a little, uh, a little better, I think what they liked is even though I didn't know what I was doing, because I definitely didn't, <laughs> I was making all kinds of tackles and they needed, they needed somebody on the field that loved to make tackles. And uh, that's where I came in. You know, I could, I could go from sideline to sideline and, and tackle any, everybody. So, you know, they had to get me on the field. So it was a crash course. My linebacker coach was a guy named Ray Malavesi. Him and I became best friends because he needed to get me ready to go. And luckily, we did have uh, six preseason games because that, that's a long time, and I got a lot of play. Even though, um, you know, it were preseason games, I needed that. So anyway, it just it all worked out, and you know, my God, I'm glad I'm glad they put me in linebacker, and I'm glad that uh, you know I had Ray Malibasi as my coach, and Madden was overlooking at me, and uh, and here we go. Then we started winning games. It's interesting. You mentioned that that the uh, college uh, senior bowl with the one eye kind of, you know, exemplified the Raiders spirit with the one eye. But um, you fit that persona to a T. The the Raiders embraced an identity as rebellious and above all hard hitting. Uh, You look at the collection of talent and personalities. uh, Kenny the Snake Stabler, Fred Bolitnikoff, Cliff Ranch, Dave Casper, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, Matusek, Willie Brown, and, and you. In 10 years as the head coach of that group, the Madden's Raiders were in seven AFC or AFL title games. They won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Raiders never had a losing season with him. He was the youngest coach in history to reach 100 victories. 
you know, how important was it um, that John, you know, was able to put his ego aside? Like he he was never the guy that, you know, epitomized the Raiders. He let you guys do all that. How important was it to let him let your persona grow and, and the players be the story to that team's identity? Well, you know, John was a master, say, say, I say psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever. He had a group of guys that, you know, weren't, weren't the normal guys. Most every guy we got came from a, a trade. They were cut by somebody. They were, they were all great players, but they just couldn't get along with other teams. But so John had to be very careful, not too many rules, you know, because that's what a lot of guys, especially at the pro level, man, let me play. You know, I don't need to be overcoached. And you see these college coaches that go into the pros and I don't know why they all fail. You know, we're looking at urban Meyer this year, you know, and we, you know, you know tons of those, tons of those guys, they fail probably because there's, they have too many rules. And with John, there wasn't too many rules. And also, um, if you remember correctly, I think John probably got as many 15 yard penalties as I did because <laughs> he would go after those referees. And my God, they would. I remember in Denver, we're playing in Denver, and here they're coming down the field, and, uh, they, you know, they beat us. If they score, they win. And, uh, you know, and they, you know, they, I think Madden got a. 15 yarder back back on their 20 yard line, which put him out to the 35. Then he gets another one that crossed the 50, and but they were running out of time. And then I intercepted, and uh, Charlie Johnson threw it. And then I I never forget. I just fell right into it, intercepted it, and uh, we're on the team bus, you know, going to the airport, the old Denver airport. And coach came up to me and he looked down at me and he said, "Thanks for bailing me out." And I think that's probably the first thing he ever told me. <laughs> and I looked up at him like, what? You know? And he goes, I got a boss too. You know, but <laughs> with the Raiders, as long as you win, we won the game. And that's the old Al Davis thing. Just win, baby. You know, as long as we won, nobody cared how you play. You know? <laughs> so coach got himself 30 yards and penalties on one drive, but I was lucky enough to bail him out. And, uh, and that was a good, that was a good thing. Speaking of you know anything to do to win and, and and just win, part of your identity was you were known for your can opener tack, tackles, and there's an entire generation. Actually, there's probably two generations of football fans that are listening right now that have no clue what a, a can opener tackle is. Can you tell them what the term means, as well as you know a, a little helper that you had on your arm that you know you used back in the day. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, things were a little were a little looser back in those days, and uh, I remember we we would go out and do warm ups, and then we'd go back in, and the guys would have all their pads. And what I'm talking about, we used to, uh, you know, like you would put this uh, like a plastic material in the hot hot water, and then you would mold it to your arm. Okay, <laughs> so what I did with my right arm, I molded this this so it's like plaster of paris and then you you took this kind of a rubberized tape and you put that around your arm you put your pad on there your your plaster of paris pad then you taped it and it's a club and then you put then you would put a uh, a regular pad on it so look nobody could even see underneath 
the forearm pad that you had, but it was like a brick. And uh, I used to call it the can opener because I would love to uh, come from the you know side and just wrap that uh, plaster of Paris right under the guy's jaw and then snap the head back. So I used to call it the rake. The rake was the first part. And if I got under that face mask, then I could can open, you know, snap it back. <laughs> and it was a beautiful tackle. Yeah, very, you, you didn't get many of them, but boy, when you got them, they felt good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I remember big Otis, this truck, he had a thing on his arm. He used to call it the super shock and this, you know, he's <laughs> gigantic arms. And when he, he, he hit Bradshaw one time, right under the jaw, Bradshaw was, he's done for the day. You know, <laughs> so, you know, everybody back in those days, had you know had these crazy <laughs> pants and we had a guy named George Anderson that could make pants that people you know uh, you know he was so creative i remember with bob brown he he would put this uh pad on his thumb it was the same idea but his thumb was now about 4 inches longer than it was and he would take it and just smash it right in the ribs and it was all plaster paris so oh. he'd be hitting you with it was just brutal. He could break ribs with that thing. Oh. So I remember L.C. L.C. Greenwood is lined up against Bob Brown, and Bob warned him that he was going to kill him. <laughs> and, and he just shot him. L.C. was oh, oh, you know, he's, he's on the field. And Bob, and Bob looked down. I, I told you so. You know, oh. that was a those were type of those are great players, that great Raider players. And yeah, we 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 uh, kind of bent the rules, but so did everybody else. So that's the way it was in those days. So early in your career, you're part of one of the most historic plays and, and controversial plays in NFL history as you're the linebacker assigned to cover Franco Harris during the Immaculate Reception game, December 23rd, 1972. Walk me through that play, and more importantly, you know what was Coach's, Coach Madden's reaction to the play? Well, um, it, w- it was a crazy play. It was uh, We got it down to, you know, Kenny, Kenny Stabler came in and relieved Earl LaMonica, Kenny had a couple of really good passes to Mike Ciani, moved us down the field, and uh, then he bootlegged, I think, from 20, 25 yards out into the end zone. Nobody, nobody was around them. Uh, they were all in coverage. And, you know, so we take the lead 7-6, and they get the ball back with, you know, a little over a minute left. And, you know, we got it down to fourth down and 22 yards. Fourth and 22 and they're they're down on their like twenty yard line, and uh, just uh, we get in the huddle, and I remember just yelling at the no penalties, no penalties, because we were very good at getting penalties, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we uh, no penalties, and then you know Bradshaw comes out, and we got two or three guys that are ready to sack them. They're holding on the line of scrimmage. Bradshaw, I, I don't even know if he saw Frenchie Fuqua. He just threw it down the field. And Jack Tater comes up and blasts Fuqua. Fuqua, you know, shoulder hits the ball. The ball, um, I'm covering Franco. I'm right next to him. I saw the ball. I saw the ball get thrown. I run. I leave Franco because I'm going to go help with the tackle. And the ball bounces right back to Franco. Uh, I spun. I think I could have made the tackle. Their tight end dives in the back of my legs. I don't fall. If I fell, maybe I got a flag. But I didn't get the flag. Uh, we, we, we don't know if Franco trapped the ball. Uh, Franco can't remember anything. 
Frenchie Fuqua can't remember anything. <laughs> Bradshaw keeps laughing. So we're never going to get to the bottom of what really happened. But it was a lot of fun, you know, being in that game. But when it was all over with, I saw John going crazy on the sideline. I had no clue that he, you know, if it went from offensive player to offensive player, back in those days, that was not allowed. So, uh, you know, it was penalty. You know, they got to come back. The play comes back and the game's over. So John is going crazy. And the referees, they went all went and huddled up. Then somebody went in the end zone and came back out about 15. Or we're staying on the field 15 minutes. Meanwhile, the stadium's emptying out on the field. They could have never continued the game. And then, lo and behold, they, the one ref puts his hands up, touchdown. And it's over. So uh, craziness. But, you know, that was the NFL. And, you know, we I've been in the Sea of Hands games against Miami. <laughs> yep. I was in the Holy Roller down in San Diego. Um, the, the, and those those two plays went our way. <laughs> right. And the Immaculate Session went the other way. So it was just, uh, you know, the way it is. And that's uh, that's pro football. You know, you don't 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 leave the sets too early, you know, because anything <laughs> can happen anymore. Right. Yeah, you know, I've heard you tell a story maybe at one of the, the football dinners about that goal line stand against the Vikings in the Super Bowl. And you, you told uh, us that you were yelling uh, to the defense as everyone was lining up that you had them just where you wanted them. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you recall about that play and, and what transpired as you hit Brent McClanahan, causing him to fumble and change the momentum entirely in, in Super Bowl eleven? Well, it was, um, you know, it was kind of a, a lucky play, but I, I you know, and uh, I, I just think a certain way and, you know, um, uh, we, they have this formation and we studied it for the last couple of weeks where they took out their wide receivers and they brought in two more offensive tackles. So what we did, we called it jumbo. And if we saw that, uh, we would send in two more linebackers and, uh, and what, I remember Floyd Rice was the guy on my side. So Floyd pushes me down. I go down over one of their offensive tackles. And what we were going to do to counteract their big guys is we're going to beat them on speed. And we called it a jumbo pinch. So I'm over Ryan Yeri. And, you know, so he's used to playing against Shama Tusek, okay? And, uh, you know, 6'8", 310 pounds. I hear I'm at 225 and we we hit him with speed, so we called it jumbo pinch. And as soon as Tarkenton, you know, the ball was snapped, I beat. Well, I was right across the area, and he never even touched me. And he and uh, Tarkenton hands to McClanahan. I stuck my face right in there where the ball was, <laughs> and I, I I had a feeling, you know, I could I could make him fumble. I hit him pretty hard, and I grabbed his arms. You know, I never let him get the ball back. And luckily, Willie Hall jumped in there and picked it up. And yeah, that was a big change, game changer. We we go down and score. So rather than them getting seven, we went down and got seven. And uh, you know, Katie barred the door. We 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 beat them up the rest of the day. But that was a big play. And uh, you know, it was just uh, it was just one of those things where I would I did my homework. I knew if if you only have two offensive plays from a formation, and I knew what we were calling. I thought we had them where we wanted them. And uh, you know, Jack Tatum actually came out, came off the field and went over to Coach Matten and said, uh, you better go check out Foe. 
uh, he's screaming, we got him where we want him, down on the goal line. And Madden came over there and says, hey, you all right? And I said, yeah, coach, I'm fine. Uh, what's up? And he goes, Chase, you're saying you're screaming, we've got him where we want him on the goal line. And I looked up at coach and I said, we did. And he laughed because he knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, coach, uh, you know, coach, coach knew exactly what I was talking about. You know, I, we thought we were pretty good defense and tell, hey, you tell me what you're going to do. We're going to stop you. You know, <laughs> we're at least that good. You know, that little snapshot and his reaction and, and the way he approached you after that play is so telling about how he had the pulse of that team and just knowing when to, to say little things. In a game, the magnitude of the Super Bowl to do that tells you so much. Uh, you know, how much pride do you take knowing that that hit, that fumble, gave, you know, is one of the biggest parts of that win? And it gave, you know, Coach his only Super Bowl win in his career. Well, that was, you know, it was wonderful. It's just, you know, I, I did my part, you know, the John and, and uh, all the other coaches did their part, getting us ready and we're players and are, you know, and John's one of John's old things is players play and coaches coach and owners own and know, know where, you know, know where you're at. So my, my job is to be a player. Uh, my job was to study like crazy. My job was to know, you know, the weakness of an offense my job was to make tackles, and I, all I was doing was doing my job, and you know, and John was doing his job. He had he had us prepared, and uh, you know, you put it all together, and you know, when the coaches are coaching right, and the cheerleaders are cheering right, and the <laughs> trainers are making good paths for you, and uh, you, you, your coaches are telling you exactly what they're going to do, you're probably going to win the game, you know, because everybody on that football field is a pro, and they're all good. So, you know, in, in, you know, unlike college, even though college is, you know, you got like a Saban in his group, but I think they get uh, the better players than like in Alabama, but in the pro level, they're all good. They come from everywhere. And what, what happens, your coaching becomes huge. And, um, you know, that's what uh, I'm rooting for the race. I mean, I, I want the defensive coordinator to take away you know, the, the, the runner for uh, Indy and you take away that runner, they got to, they got to come, then their coaches got to come back with something else. And the coaches, you know, are manipulating the players. It's like a chess game, you know, and it's really, really cool when you, and we knew this, uh, we had Don Shinnick as our defensive coordinator, Bob Zeman. Uh, these two guys together came up with defensive game plans and we knew we could stop people. And that's a great advantage, you know. And, um, you know, hey, I did my job. Coach Madden did his job. And we were happy with each other. Each, each <laughs> other. And also, we got a Super Bowl ring out of it. So we were all really happy with each other. <laughs> so we alluded to it in the open about being Tom Hanks' favorite player. He, he paid homage to you in the movie, uh, that thing that you do. There's a restaurant in there called Villa Pianos, which is his tribute to you. You know, what's that like to, to see your name in the movie? And how did that even come about? Oh, that was crazy. And, uh, you know, I never knew it until my daughter, Andrea, uh, uh, she uh, somehow she and Tom Hanks became, uh, you know, Facebook friends and uh, Tom uh, came to, you know, it, it, it's not so 
anyway, <laughs> we, we knew when the movie came out and then, but I knew from just from hearsay that Tom was from the Oakland area and he lived right up in the Oakland Hills and he was a huge Raiders fan, but I didn't know he was, you know, he, he loved me. I was his guy. <laughs> so anyway, he does the movie and I, I think uh, anybody that's listening, man, the thing you do is the name of the movie, and it's so cool. It's a great movie. Bill of Pianos is a pizza place, and the and the the band plays in there, and it's so cool. And uh, Tom sent my daughter a beautiful. And he collects typewriters. That's what he does. He's got a zillion typewriters, all old ones. So he typed up Andrea a uh, a nice message, and it said. Uh, your dad was my favorite player. I call. I used to call him Phil via piano, via play a piano. <laughs> so, you know, that's when he was a young kid. So anyway, Tom, you know, says that to Andrea. Andrea oh my God, it, it was so exciting. So, you know, just uh, you know, Tom Hanks is one of my favorite favorite actors, and uh, even before, you know, before. Uh, the uh, the thing you do, my God, Forrest Gump. Oh, I love that movie. And tons of others, others. Tom is my guy, and one of these days I want to meet him. So uh, hopefully I get to get to go to a game. I, I I do a little work for Caesars Palace, and I got a seat just for Tom when when he's ready to come to Caesars and watch a game. Or comes to Vegas and watch a Raider game. Awesome. All right. Lastly, your fondest memory of Coach Madden, and do you have a favorite John Madden story? Well, I've just, you know, um, there's a zillion, there's a zillion Coach Madden stories, and uh, um, fondest memories I had, I had, I had, I had so many of them. I remember probably uh one of the greatest uh, the greatest things i think him and i connected on was you know miami was a pain in the butt miami was went undefeated miami was very difficult to to beat and here they come to oakland and we got to beat them and this is the playoff game and it was it was a, a it was back and forth and back and forth the whole day and um uh, greasy i'm kenny stabler flips the ball into the end zone to Clarence Davis, Clarence who can't catch a cold catches that ball somehow or another. And now uh, we, we got the lead, but they only need a field goal. So they start driving down the field. And uh, I remember Don Shinnick, my, my linebacker coach, who was a great player for Baltimore. And he used to say, fool, whenever you, you know, you get to your zone and you only have to be in that zone for a couple seconds. Then you've done your job. If the ball's not coming, start moving. So I started moving. I got to my zone. I started moving towards the center of the field. And lo and behold, here comes Paul War Paul Warfield from the other side. And if they if he catches that ball, your premium neck knocks it in. If the game's over, we lose. I jump up. I, I catch it. I intercept it. I run off the field. And I knew how much John Madden wanted to beat. Don Shula in the Dolphins. We were black. They were white. We were fighters. They were, you know, it was just, it was really unfair the way the Raiders got treated sometimes. I knew coach wanted to win that game so bad. So I caught, I intercepted it. I went over the sideline. I handed the coach the ball and he went crazy. 
So <laughs> coach got the coach got the game ball. It made me feel like a million dollars that I gave it to him. Made me feel like a million dollars that we won the game. And then the next week we got beat by Pittsburgh. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> but anyway, that was one of my fun, most fun moments with Coach Coach Madden, and uh, and he didn't. I didn't have to say a word. I just handed him the ball. He deserved it more than any of us players because he put it all together. Phil, thanks so much for spending time with us tonight and, and retelling some of the great stories about a, a great coach, a, a great ambassador for the game of football as well, John Madden, and, and talking about your great career. Um, love the Raiders here on Long Island. I, I don't know that they had a huge following here as well back in the day, and you were a big part of that. So thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was very, really fun talking to you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody back east. And I am in Palm Desert. Where, it's, where I'm going to the golf course. I'm sorry, people, back in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. See you later. The, the great Phil Villapiano, four-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. We'll be back right after this.